Amen. All right, we're going to be starting a new series, and um, if you don't know that we skipped, then I'm not even going to mention that. Just uh, stay, stay tuned for what we're doing here. Um, but as, as we were looking at this Sunday School material, this time, this is our family emphasis time. And uh, so last week, Labor Day started, it kicked it off, and we end that with our family uh, camp out in October, and the ushers are desperate to take up the offering today. They want something to do, so please uh, give them your money as they take up the offering today. They're coming for a shakedown. Uh, uh, but we, I, I wanted to focus a little bit more on uh, not necessarily just technology, but the way that our world uh, has changed somewhat because of technology. And that doesn't just mean your phone, because every one of us has been affected by technology in our life. And uh, every one of us has had the generation before us say, this generation now doesn't have any clue how easy they have it. Every generation. Your grandparents couldn't believe how easy you had it. And you can't believe how easy your grandkids have it. That's just the way it goes. And so all of us have been affected by technology, whether uh, it's indoor plumbing or an iPhone. We've been affected by it. So, <laughs> yep, yep. And so this, uh, in this Sunday School series, this one is entitled Unplugged, uh, and we're going to be looking at some different aspects. So this is not a series that's just about uh, you should be careful with your tweets, and if you don't know what that is, then that's good, because we're not just going to talk about that. Um, but I believe that the Lord wants to show us something through this, this time, and uh, I want to encourage you again to be a part of our family emphasis on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, having a great time. Uh, but we're going to pray, and then we're going to kick this off with a video uh, for the start of the series. So join with me in prayer for all of our classes today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. I thank you for this opportunity and privilege to be here. And Lord, I pray that you would lead and guide in each of our classes, Lord, that as your word goes forth, it would find its mark, that it would do its work. And Lord, we believe you and trust you, Lord. I pray that you would anoint every ear today to hear your voice as you speak to us, that you would challenge us, encourage us, strengthen us today, God. We believe you and trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and play that video. What is that? That wasn't Facebook. What was that? You know, there's so many things that pull at us and vie for our attention. So many things that try to pull at us from all kinds of different directions and social media, uh, entertainment pursuits. A lot of things aren't bad, but the more we give our time and energy to them, the more they sap us of strength. We've got to learn to somehow unplug from these things from time to time. It's crucial in order to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to let go of some things at times so we can make sure our connection to the true power source is intact and strong. This next series of the Discipleship Project is going to look at this idea of unplugging. The series is titled Unplugged. And it looks at this idea that all these things that are vying for our attention, we've got to unplug from them from time to time and make sure our connection is made to the true power source. So join us for this next series of the Discipleship Project as we look at the idea of being unplugged. All right, so this idea of being unplugged. And again, uh, many times the distractions we have in our lives are things that need unplugged. But that's not everything. There's other things that we encounter that don't have to necessarily be physically plugged in, but we still need to uh, emotionally and spiritually unplug from. In fact, I, I read an interesting statistic that talked about, and I think I've shared it before, all kinds of media. All kinds of media. So this is not just iPhones, this is television, this is everything. And the group that uh, had the most engagement with media of all sorts was the millennial generation, but very closely followed was the age 65 and up. Very closely. And one reason was is because a lot of, of, uh, it, it's a lot of that generation, and it's not everybody, so that, again, this is generalizations. If it's not you, then don't take offense at it, but... Uh, uh, that, that generation has, uh, sometimes there's not a lot of people in the house, 
They could just be by themselves, and so they leave the television on for hours at a time, almost as a form of company. And so the television is on hour after hour after hour, and even though they may not be, uh, you may not be readily engaged with it, sitting in front of a television for six hours a day, your television may be on for six hours a day, and still that barrage of media and things. So anyway, uh, our scripture focus today is found in Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 38 through 42. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve, me, to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. That sounds really bad until I think of all the times I've told the Lord what he should do. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, just so you know, we're not going to get real deep into this story because there's all kinds of ways that we can go with it. But many guests had filled their home that day to hear Jesus. Martha was well aware of the privilege it was to have the teacher in their home, and she was determined to do everything just right. When she was a girl, her mother had drilled in her and her younger sister Mary what their duties were when guests were present. It was a time to serve, not to sit around. It was a time to give, not to receive. Martha had the day all planned out. Jesus would provide the guests with good teaching while she and Mary would provide them all with good food. Everyone would be satisfied and she hoped, a little impressed, but Mary was ruining Martha's plans. Martha could not believe Mary was not helping. They had already discussed everything. They had already planned everything out. Mary knew that everyone present expected of them and knew Martha could not adequately serve the meal all by herself. So Martha's anger grows along with her embarrassment as she falls behind. She came into the room again to bring in the next course of the meal and tried to catch Mary's eye, but Mary's eyes were fixed on Jesus. That was it. Martha had enough of Mary failing to help host the meal while giving the impression that she was now a disciple of Jesus, sitting at his feet no less. You know, the younger sibling, right? And she also had had enough of Jesus tolerating Mary's breach of protocol. Martha couldn't contain herself any longer, and we read it, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And the room goes quiet. Because Martha has, out of nowhere, rebuked Jesus. Jesus looked at her kindly, knowing that she was just anxious to honor him and to fulfill the duties everyone present expected of her. And his reproof was gentle. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Jesus' reproof stung, and Martha was embarrassed, but she instantly saw what was truly important. Martha puts down the serving tray and joins Mary at Jesus' feet. Serving a feast could wait. Feasting on Jesus' words could not. It's easy to fault Martha in this story. And in fact, many times there's many Bible stories that, that we just kind of have the, the overview of and we'd make an immediate impression of it. And in this story, uh, we like to have very definitive ways of looking at things. And so in most of our minds, when we think of Mary and Martha, the simple thing is Mary good, Martha bad. That's how we think of it. Martha, how could she? Didn't she know that she should be sitting at Jesus' feet? But when we begin to consider the circumstances, when we begin to consider what was happening, we begin to see that she wasn't maybe as spiritually dull as what we think. In fact, she was trying to do what was right in this circumstance. She was trying to do what is good. If someone comes over for a meal to your house and nobody serves it, it just stays in the kitchen. That's a little embarrassing too. But we do find in this, that in Jesus' words, in his words that he speaks to her, that we get this idea that Martha was distracted. Now, obviously, in the story of Mary and Martha, we're not talking about physically unplugging certain things that Martha was in the kitchen watching Days of Our Lives while Mary was at Jesus' feet, okay? Now, I'm sure even in Bible times, they had a flannel graph board. <laughs> she was back there enacting it. <laughs> but she was distracted, okay? 
Whether it was good or bad, whether what she was doing was right or wrong, she was distracted from Jesus. And we begin to look at ourselves, we begin to ask ourselves, are we not also distracted in our lives many times? Are are we more likely to neglect personal or work-related business because we're so engrossed with our relationship with the Lord? Or are we more likely to neglect our relationship with the Lord because we're so engrossed in the busyness of life? You see, usually when we're presented with that choice, the busyness of life, work, whatever it is, overtakes our relationship with the Lord. How many times have we rushed through prayer or not prayed at all uh, because of something that was pressing that we had to do? How many times have we decided, well, I'll just read a little bit less in our Bible today because I've got to get to this. I've got things piling up around me. You see, really most of us would like to be like Mary but many times we end up like Martha. Most of us would just love to sit at Jesus' feet, as long as they were clean. Love to sit at Jesus' feet and just, you know, receive from Him and get everything that we need and just hear His words of wisdom. But we usually find ourselves like Martha, distracted. If we do not make definite decisions in our life to withdraw or unplug from the distractions of life, In order to spend time with the Lord, you know as well as I that we will be carried away by everything else. You know, (laughs) I, I, I mean, I don't know how many times we've said it in our household and to one another. When it slows down for just a minute, are we still saying that? Are we still that deceived that we think it's ever gonna slow down? No, because when, there's, when you see a few days on the calendar, you're like, oh, there's a few days. Well, I can put that there and this here and that there. And then before you know it, you're carried away again. It will not slow down unless you decide and make a conscious decision. That's why I think Psalm 23, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, is very true that he has to make us sometimes. Unfortunately, a lot of times that he has to make us, the only way that we really respond is through something that we wouldn't normally choose, such as sickness or something else. It's amazing how that you can't leave work until something drastic happens and then you don't care. But anyway, sorry, I shouldn't say that. People and things in our lives will, I don't know if if you've caught this yet, most people, including your boss, Um, including the school, including the soccer or t-ball team or anything else, when they make all the schedules, they don't say, now I just want to make sure before I put this schedule out for work or t-ball or whatever, does this include enough time for your personal devotion? Will this fit with your personal devotion? Will this extracurricular school activity, is this going to work with your, because we want to make sure that you have time to pray. (laughs) Is anyone... Anyone ever had your boss say that? Anyone ever had the t-ball coach call and say, I just want to make sure the schedule's all right so you can read your Bible? No. It'll carry you away. You have to make the time yourself. In fact, Scripture says that as the end times approach, you are going to have to redeem the time because the days are evil. You are going to have to buy back your time. And here's the problem is we think that we can keep our life and just add our relationship to God with it. If he's going to be at the center of your life, your life's going to have to change. Because life does not want Jesus at the center of it. It wants you at the center of it, because that's flesh. Anyway, we need to keep going here. We're going to get off topic. In the story of Martha and Mary, Jesus did not tell Martha she was wrong because she was doing wrong things. He reproved her and told her off, corrected her for doing right things at the wrong time. You know, you ever said to your kids, it's not what you said, it's how you said it? <laughs> you know, I, it's, <laughs> well, I won't talk about all the things I've said and how I said them. <laughs> but I do remember being corrected for it. <laughs> Man, I, there's one time I vividly remember. I was older, not like, 25 or 30, but I was like 15 or 16, and I said something to my dad, and I, I didn't, I couldn't interpret the look on his face, because, you know, I'm, my dad's only like 5'8", and if he packs on about 20 pounds, he's about 160 then. I remember the day that, that I, 
I took my dad down. Like I was just playing around. I didn't like beat him up. I was playing around, but I, I grabbed him and just tackled him and he just fell. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was all into sports, you know, I was all, and my dad really was, it's not, it, it, but I remember the day when it's like, I'm big, I'm taller than him. I weigh more than him. And I remember I said, I don't even remember what I said, but I remember that look on his face. Like I thought, Ooh, wow. He, that, that one got him. I know what that look is now. <laughs> I've probably given that look now. But I remember, I can't even describe to you the look that came across his face. And it was just like, I realize now that he was clenching his fists. Well, anyway. I realize now that I was, no. <laughs> so Jesus reproved her for doing the right things at the wrong time. She was working when she should have been resting and listening to him. The act of serving itself is not wrong, obviously. Jesus himself enacted washing feet and said you've got to be the least if you want to be the greatest and all these things. So serving is not wrong. And at certain times, it is exactly the right thing to do. And we see this in Martha's own life. That, and, and we can go on personality tangents here, but in Martha's own life, just days before Jesus was crucified, Jesus stops by their house again. And this time, it's a time of fellowship. And, and guess what? Martha is serving. And Jesus doesn't correct her because her busyness at this moment was at the right time and it wasn't interfering with her relationship with him. So there's a time to do all these certain things. There's a time to serve. There's a time to uh, focus on our relationship with God. But the example of Martha serving in these two scenarios and Jesus' different response to each show us that there's a time for work. There's a time for spiritual renewal. There's time for work, time for spiritual renewal. And both are necessary in their appropriate time. God has designed us to live in an alternating rhythm. That we are not supposed to be busy all the time, neither are we supposed to be resting all the time. God has created this alternating rhythm. And there are moments when we need to withdraw or unplug from the busyness of life, from the river that carries us away, for rest and renewal, and here is the key, in His presence in his presence. Like with Martha, there are many things, even good things, that vie for our attention and can distract us from that relationship with the Lord. This is why Jesus' words to Martha must remind us that we need to take time for spiritual renewal at his feet. This is very important. This is something that is completely, uh, not completely, but is, is very easily lost even amongst Christianity today, that I need to make time for spiritual renewal at his feet. Jesus' words to Martha call us to embrace what has been called in Scripture and still today the Sabbath principle. The Sabbath principle. When we hear the word Sabbath, we think of the, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's, it's this time when uh, God commanded His people in the Old Testament to rest on the seventh day of the week. We see that the creation order, God creates for six days and on the seventh day he rests, not because he's tired, because all he's done is talked and made a little mud. So God's not tired, but God rests on the seventh day after creation to set an example for you and I to continue this principle that was started at creation, that there is a seventh day rest that should be accompanied and, and is part of the alternating rhythm of our life. On that Sabbath time, we are to cease from all forms of labor, is what the Old Testament said. And that Hebrew word Sabbath comes from the word in Hebrew, which means rest. That there are days and moments when we are created to have rest. The point of resting, however, was not just to get a day off. And see, this is the key that sometimes gets lost, because it's, it's no great spiritual feat. It's no great spiritual wonder to say you should take a day off every so often because you get tired and your body needs it. That's just, that's not really spiritual. That's just common horse sense, I guess. Whatever horse sense is. So it's not just about taking a day off, but it's giving space in my life to be rejuvenated and to be revived through communication with God. You see, that's what the Sabbath was about. It wasn't about today's my day off, <laughs> so I'm going to do whatever I want to do. 
Because that's not what they did on the Sabbath. Now, is this saying that it's wrong to do whatever you want to do? No, you can go to that extreme if you want. But what I'm saying is those moments of rest, I will not receive the rest how I was created. I will not receive the rest that I need unless part of that rest is incorporated. It involves worshiping God and hearing from Him. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 10 says, But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God. Other translations say the Sabbath too or for the Lord your God. So the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. That's what the Sabbath day is. It's not a day of rest. On the seventh day God rested. So today is going to be my Sabbath day and I'm going to lay on the couch all day. And I'm going to tell people to make me popcorn and bring it to me. And I'm just going to watch YouTube all day. That's my day of rest. That's not the Sabbath day. That's a lazy day. Just call it what it is. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you that it's all right. It's, you can have a lazy day if you want every so often. But don't think that you're having Sabbath because you watch silly cat videos all day. <laughs> don't think it's Sabbath because you did whatever you wanted to do that day. It may, it, it may not be YouTube videos. It could be anything. I'm not saying that's wrong, but understanding that in its place, the Sabbath for what it is, is a day of rest dedicated to God, where there's something happening between me and God. The rest that we have on the Sabbath is to be taken in His presence. It's to be taken in His presence. Now, God has not made a specific day of requirement in, this, in the New Testament. We know in the Old Testament that the Sabbath day was a Saturday. God did not, it, it, Jesus, when He came, He did not say that this is the day that you need to meet. So we understand that, and we understand that the Sabbath, this is important for us to understand too, the Sabbath was an actual day. God dwelt in a certain place. You parted the curtain of the Holy of Holies, and there was the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where God dwelt. Not just anywhere, He dwelt in that box in the Old Testament. So it was that there was a day of rest, and it had to be that day. It's not that way anymore. Colossians chapter 2 In verse 16, I forgot to turn there earlier. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink. Oh, we'll just stand right there. Don't judge me of my food. (laughs) Don't judge in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So that Old Testament and those ceremonies, those, those festivals, the food, the drink, the new moon, and the Sabbath, what Paul is saying is that those are fulfilled in Christ. That now I can have Sabbath whenever because of Christ. Before, I'd have to wait till Saturday to experience that rest, but now because of Jesus Christ, I can experience it whenever. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. You may recognize this when I read it. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. We realize that that is a foretelling of the Holy Ghost that will come. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. I want you to understand that you don't have the Holy Ghost just to save you, but the Holy Ghost gives you Sabbath. That means wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, you don't have to wait to a certain day. You don't have to part the curtain to experience His presence. You don't have to do that. If you have the Holy Ghost, then the Sabbath principle, that all that contains is inside of you. So it's a shadow of things to come in Christ. Christ is the reality of that old covenant. He said, I haven't come to abolish it. It's not that Sabbath is gone. I've come to fulfill those old laws. That principle of Sabbath, that setting time aside, is still a necessary foundation for our health and ongoing relationship with God. Without rest and time spent with God, relationship with God is impossible. If you don't spend time with Him, it's hard to call it a relationship. So it's crucial that we embrace this Sabbath principle. There are several ways that we can do this in our lives today. We need physical rest, but this lesson, again, the focus is on spiritual renewal, and there's a few ways that we can make this happen. By taking a drink. My mouth is really dry. I'm sure you all wanted to know that. But one way that to live the Sabbath principle to institute in our lives is to set aside one day a week to focus on the worship of God. And to include in this day our gathering with the believers. That just means included in our Sabbath principle of rest is church. 
What we're doing here today is part of spiritual renewal. I hope you realize that. That I'm not just here today because I'm supposed to be here. Maybe that's why you woke up and came here. I'm not just here because I have to be here, but this is part of my Sabbath. This is where I can gain strength by gathering in the presence of God with God's people. It's important for me to do that. Jesus, we see throughout his time that very often he would go to the synagogues on the Sabbath day and he would participate in those things. And we understand that uh, Jesus uh, did this as an example that we're supposed to meet together. And, And so we carry on this custom as well. Early believers, they didn't limit their time together to just one day. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 says, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. So they went to church and breaking of bread from house to house. So they met at other times because they realized that they needed renewal and restoration by being in God's presence and by being with God's people. Frequently gathering with fellow believers on other days outside of a church setting is, is a characteristic of the early believers. Not just that they preached and they spread the gospel around the world, but this gathering together we see happen many times. We find even when Peter was in prison that when he's released, he goes to a house where all the church is gathered to pray that there's a home group prayer meeting taking place. And God has not commanded the exact number of days to meet each, each week. I know that may be surprising to you that Wednesday is not in Scripture, <laughs> that you must have a midweek service. We don't have any traditions, but try canceling midweek service. I'm not saying we should. God doesn't command that you've got to meet one days, two days. You've got to have Sunday morning. You've got to have Sunday night. He doesn't say anything. He says, but, but we do get the idea and the Sabbath principle is that we should frequently withdraw from our regular routine to join with other believers, and that should be a prominent part of our lives. We realize that times with believers are essential and a blessing, and, it, it, and it's important for us to understand that principle of it, that, again, it's not just a ritual or a routine, but I receive something out of this. And it's important for us to understand that when we begin to create a habit of missing these times, that our walk with God will also suffer as well. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So even in this time, there was people that said, I don't really need to go to church, or I just need to go every so often, because the writer of Hebrews says, as some people do means there's people doing it now. And he says, that's not right. You need to be in church because this is part of the rest that you need. This is a part of your relationship with God. The heart of the Sabbath principle is setting right priorities. Setting right priorities. We have to place our relationship with God and our time with other believers as the priority of our spiritual lives. That sounds kind of very simplistic until I begin to look at my life and say, if I want to live a spiritual life, is my relationship with God in time with other believers at the center of my life? We have to arrange our schedules in a way that we can dedicate at least a day, a week, to rest and seek the Lord. We have to do this. These times are essential. But because most of our time will not be spent in worship and fellowship with other believers... So if you come on Sunday and Wednesday, you're here for, oh man, let's see, what's 9.30 to 12.30, 1 o'clock, three and a half hours Sunday, three and a half, four, five to six hours a week. Five to six hours a week out of 164, five, how many hours in a week? 168, thank you there. You want a piece of candy? Now it's all broken up for you too. It's butter rum. It's one piece. The Lord protected it. So when I, when I have 168 hours of my week and I spend six, to, six hours of that with the body of Christ, that is important. But if that is the totality of my Sabbath principle in my life, you're probably going to struggle. God took a day. When he created the earth, he took the seventh day. He created the morning and evening, so it was our day. It wasn't a day as it's a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. It was a day. And remember, the Sabbath day to keep it holy was an entire day. In fact, uh, when I was uh, in my teen years, 
uh, I had the opportunity to go to Israel, and for some reason, the tour group I was with flew into Israel on the Sabbath. And I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, it's the truth. There was like four Arabs working in the airport that day, and that was it, because they can't do work. We unloaded our own luggage. We loaded it into the bus. When we got to the hotel, every floor was lit up like at youth convention. You know, you get on the elevator with a bunch of kids and they push all the buttons. Every, everyone was lit up and the elevator every Sabbath automatically stopped at every floor because pushing a button was work. You needed extra towels? Not on the Sabbath. Nobody's going to do that. It was an entire day. So to think that six hours... Well, man, this world's worse than it's ever been. Oh, it's just getting awful. If we could just go back to the good old days, but yet we need less in our life of God. I think if the old timers, when it was the good old days, were praying more and devoting more time to God, how much more do I need to do now? So it's not just we have to gather together, but if that's all there is, there's a critical part, and that is our private lives. That we have to, in our private life, cultivate the habit of withdrawing from the busyness of life, resting in His presence, attending to His Word. We have to cultivate that habit. And that word cultivate is important because it has the idea of work and tending. That it doesn't just happen. We've already mentioned this. I'm not going to go into it again. But it doesn't just happen that you're like, well, I just happen to have an hour free today where it just happens I can study the word of the Lord today. No, that will probably not happen. It will be filled up. You must cultivate that habit. In two key components, it's no surprise in that withdrawing from the business of life, of putting a Sabbath principle, of unplugging in our life, is prayer and reading of Scripture. These are both part of the same thing, which is communication with God. They are the two most prominent spiritual disciplines in our life. And it's important for us to look at how we can perform these things daily. You know, there's all kinds of things out there. Prayer guides, Bible reading guides, I would encourage you to... To, to find one, but and there's other disciplines, fasting and, and, and all these things which help, but the key component is a daily discipline of prayer and fasting without which spiritual renewal is impossible. It's impossible. It's not surprising that the Gospels show us Jesus as a man of prayer in the Word. Jesus was a man of prayer in the Word. Again, he is our example for how we are to live. And so until the Lord comes, we're going to keep facing uh, distractions of all kinds. Those will not stop. So waiting for the day when you're less distracted, when the kids are gone, when this is that, that doesn't ever happen. Thus, because the distractions will never stop, and there was times that Jesus had to go away to get away from the distractions, we cannot stop combating them, and, and, and we have to keep following Jesus' example. So here's the real question. So what do you want me to do? Quit my job and come to church and pray all day? And read my Bible and fast 95 days in a row? Because isn't God worth it? Okay. I mean, if you want to be that way, be that way. That's fine. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Fast 90 days. That's what you want to do. Okay, but we understand. Uh, God instituted Sabbath. Understand that the principle was working seven day, six days, taking one day off. God never said with Sabbath that you're supposed to take the week off and dedicate it to me. You're not supposed to do that. He said, yeah, I've set up six days for you to do the work. Take one. So, yeah, you want me to pray all day, seven days a week? Well, you know what? If God speaks to you and tells you to do that, I'm not going to argue with it, but that's not how God generally set it up. He said, you got six days, do all that stuff, but take time. Now again, does that need to be one entire day, or does that need to be spread out, or how does that need to work? But we are supposed to have these moments. God has not commanded. It would be easy if we could say, turn to Acts chapter 29 and verse 32, and in that, there is no Acts 29, by the way, so you can't look it up, <laughs> before you start thumbing through. <laughs> You have the old, uh, you need to update your Bible app. I wrote a new chapter to Scripture. It's to be really soon. <laughs> but it doesn't say in Acts 29, 32, and Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, you should pray 46 minutes a day and read four chapters a day. That would be easy. Because then I could get up here and say, here's what you're supposed to do. Look, it says it in the Word, and we're people of the Word. It doesn't say that. 
So it becomes difficult. How much should I pray? How much should I involve myself in this? How much should I... Scripture reveals to us not a, a certain amount, but it says a significant part of our day. There should be significant time. We find the Apostle Paul says that our lives are to be noted by continuing steadfastly in prayer. We find that elsewhere we're commanded in 1 Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. <laughs> David says that a person's delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The first thing is there is that attitude of prayer. And you know what that is, that you're in a situation, you're in a circumstance or something happens and you, you, you feel something and you pray. It doesn't, not every prayer has to be laid out in the middle of the floor interceding. That may look a little strange where you're working and that may not be the best thing to do is to lay out on the floor of NAL in travail. I mean, you do it a few times and people get used to it. No. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you can't have the attitude of prayer and pray at NAL. So we have this idea that I'm supposed to have a mindset of that. But then when it comes to specifics, here, here's a few questions. And I thought, you know, because you know, I've been in church um, a couple years and I've heard people say things. And I've heard all kinds of stuff. And we're going to park here for just a minute because I think this is important. There's some good questions here. When I begin looking at my own personal time, some questions. When it comes to my own personal devotion. And these would be good even if you wanted to write them down and remind yourself of later. There is what I am currently doing working. Now, I want you to understand these questions. They are not uh, smart aleck questions. <laughs> like, I can tell it ain't working for you. Is what you're doing really working? No, honestly, is what, is what you're doing working? And, and I've, par I've put these questions with First John, First uh, John, the book of First John. One of the main themes of First John is is John writes to the believers and says, "Here's how you can be assured of your salvation." Now I know we get real uncomfortable with saying that we're saved because, and I know there's that that idea that until we walk through the pearly gates, we aren't saved, and that is true. That is true. But John says that there should you should be able to walk with a confidence in your salvation. How can you give anyone an answer of what's the hope inside of you if you don't really know if it's true and working? Someone comes to you and says, how, do I, how should I be saved? Well, actually, theologically, I'm not really saved until I walk through the pearly gates. So there's two sides to that. I understand that. So in saying that... The, we don't attain perfection, yet we're striving for it. So is, is what I'm doing currently working? Another way, do I generally have the joy and peace of the Lord in my life? First John talks about having a habit that walks in the light. That doesn't mean that, that to, to consider myself walking in the light, I have to be perfect because who's going to ever do that? Who is ever going to be perfect? That is an impossible thing to say you should walk in the light. And if walking in the light means perfection, that is an impossibility. But walking in the light means what is your habit? Do you habitually do what is right? Is it your regard that when you wake up in the morning, you're looking to do what God has called you to do? Fulfill his purpose, do the things that you have been taught and know that are right. As opposed to walking in darkness. Do you know that bad people do good things sometimes? Do you know who gave millions of dollars to children's charities? Michael Jackson. Sorry to defame Michael Jackson's name in the pulpit, if you feel that way. But bad people can do good things, but that doesn't mean that they're good. Okay? They walk in darkness, that's their habit. And just because they accidentally help an old lady across the road, doesn't mean that that validates the rest of their life. Okay? Just like when I'm walking in light and I trip and fall, that doesn't negate everything good in my life. Okay? That's what 1 John has. So do I generally have the joy and peace of the Lord? Do I generally have love in my heart for God and for others? Generally. 98% <laughs> of the time. Because there's always that... Let's say 99 because then we can say there's always that 1%. No. Do I generally overcome the temptations that come against me? Is it my habit that when I'm confronted by temptation, I generally overcome it? In other words, here it is. Is it obvious that the renewing power of God is at work in my life? This is to determine how much should I pray. 
how much should I read the Bible? Is it obvious that the renewing power of God is at work in my life? You know what? There's people that it is. That it's plain to see that God is working in their life. That they are separate. They are different. I don't think it's wrong to say that... Well, anyway. If at any point in these we have to confess, not really, then that's when we need to say we need to invest more time in these disciplines. There are certain things we should all do. And, And it's important for us to understand that it may be different for each person. It may be. It's, some people need three hours of prayer. Some people need the seven days a week, 24 hours a day, just to stay safe. No, I'm kidding. The point is, is that God, is God, is his power being renewed in me, and is there an obvious difference in my life? Now, there's questions, and, and, and even in the book here, it says each morning before we dive into school or work, we should all give ourselves to prayer and the word. This, I'll, I'll throw this out there as my opinion. Okay? So you don't have to take this as gospel truth. This is just my opinion. Because I've heard all kinds of things. Like I said, I've been in church just a few years, and I've heard all kinds of things about uh, um, when you should pray, when you should do this. I, I, I agree that if you get up in the morning, you can do that, and you read and pray. That's wonderful. Let me just say this. If you get up at 4 in the morning so that you have an hour or whatever it is to read and pray before, and then you're grouchy the rest of the day... Is it obvious that the renewing power of God is at work in my life? You might be self-defeating. Since it's family emphasis time, if your family wishes you wouldn't get up early to read and pray. Okay? You know, it's not a, it's not a reality for... Well, first of all, it's really hard to get up before 5.30 in our... I mean, any time from 5.30 on without the household waking up, which makes for a great day. When everyone's awake at 5.30, that makes for a wonderful day. We just share the love of the Lord with each other. <laughs> songs, hymns, and spiritual songs abound. Actually, we may have the banjo at 6 in the morning. No telling at our house. <laughs> I have to get up. On Sunday mornings, I get up really early just to make sure. And it's still even then, there's pitter pat of feet uh, every so often coming in. Okay? So that doesn't necessarily work at that point. Now, my schedule is different than your schedule, and so we fit it in wherever. When I, when I get to the office, I, I take time to read and pray at that point. It's not the first thing I do in the day, because that's really not going to work. The other thing is, if I'm up at 4 in the morning, that means I, I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock the night before or whatever. That's not going to work, because i got kids who are still awake. Then my wife has to put the kids... See? And there's people that I would, I would say, you know what, there, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have a walk with God and they have a ministry and they have a personal devotion time at night. Okay? And there's plenty of scriptures that talk about praying in the morning and praying at night. If you can't pray in the morning because of whatever reason, then pray whenever you can. The point is, is to have a time that you do that. Okay? So if you can't do the morning, it's not to, well, I got to get up. That's fine. Just find yourself a time and know that whenever it is, you're probably going to have to carve it out, but make yourself have a time. That's the important thing because I'm not receiving what I need unless I have that. It's amazing. Uh, those times when we don't have those times of withdrawal when, when, and you've probably had it in your life when you've had periods in your life where it, it's just been going good and you've been having devotion and it's been consistent and you've been praying you've been reading your Bible and then you know you drop off a little bit and then a little bit becomes a lot bit you can tell a difference well maybe you can't but ask everyone else in the house there's a difference because there's a spiritual renewal that doesn't come from, you know what, I'm going to watch a movie tonight and relax, or I'm going to uh, knit, or I'm going to do anything else that may be good or it may be bad. There's nothing else that can replace this time that you have with God because it's spiritual renewal, and you cannot accomplish spiritual renewal without doing something spiritual. I know that's a shock, but you have to do something spiritual to be spiritually renewed. Our experience of the presence and power of God is directly proportional to the amount of time we spend in prayer and in the Word. I cannot, I cannot expect great things in my life through God if I am not being spiritually renewed. Now, I know there's those moments and there's plenty of them in my life where I know that God moved in spite of me. 
I know that. And really, that's every time, really. <laughs> you know. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's nothing that I did that week that warranted what happened in that moment. But God's ways, He's going to accomplish His will and purpose. There's plenty of people in Scripture that were awful people that God used. The danger is, is when I take God moving through me in spite of as validating how I, what I did that week. Well, I didn't do much prayer this week, and look what God did. No, that's, no, no. So it's directly proportional to the amount of time spent in prayer in the Word. Little time, little power. Much time, much power. Here's the one that I like, though, because that's pretty obvious. Inconsistent time, inconsistent power. That one hit home more for me than the little power, the little and much thing. Because really, a lot of our lives, if we're trying to live for the Lord, it's really not that we know prayer is not important and we don't do any of that. It's the inconsistent. We have those ups and downs. Inconsistent time, inconsistent power. The specific times involved will vary for each person, but as the verses reveal, we, we have to spend a significant amount of time at the feet of Jesus where we would draw. Busyness is exhausting, unsatisfying, and ultimately, busyness undermines our relationship with the Lord. In Matthew chapter 11, 28-30, it says, Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We know where that rest is. It comes through time, the Holy Ghost, time spent with God. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I've, I've taught lessons from this before, because sometimes it doesn't seem like his yoke is easy. But a lot of times it's because that there's a conflict. There's a conflict between life, and if I'm honest, I can call it life, but if I'm honest, it's flesh and spirit. The Sabbath principle is a call to enter the Lord's rest by taking off the yoke of busyness and taking on the easy yoke of total devotion to Him. Take off that yoke of busyness, take on the easy yoke of total devotion to Him. Again, that doesn't mean that every day, well, I can't, you know, no, hopefully you understand that there's moments and there's times, and I have to have those times. Sometimes we don't realize we have taken on the yoke of busyness. And as with Martha, sometimes the Lord must directly correct us for it. This is, uh, in closing, this is a story by the author, a personal illustration by the author of this. He says, one afternoon I got in my car and reached to turn on the radio. That's what I do as I was heading off to lunch. And the Lord spoke. You fill your life with a bunch of noise so you can't hear me. That doesn't mean that you're filling it because you don't want to hear me. You're filling it and because of all that you can't hear me. Noise? Started thinking through how I'd been spending my time. In the morning I would get in my car and go to work. I would turn on the radio and get riled up listening to talk radio. I don't listen to talk radio. I listen to sports radio, which is just the same thing again and again and again. I would arrive at work and work. I would get in my car to go to lunch and turn on the radio, get riled up some more. I'd come back and work some more. I'd leave work and drive home with the radio, spend some time with family, check my email, check out social media, any other websites, watch YouTube videos, read. Reading, that's not bad. We need more people reading today. Whatever it is, and on and on. Then not long before I went to bed, I would pray a bit and read the Bible a bit. This pattern went on for a while, then the Lord spoke. As I thought about the individual things I was doing, it struck me that none of them were inherently sinful. Nevertheless, I had created an environment that made it almost impossible for me to hear or even seriously think of Him. Scripture talks about meditating on the Lord. I've tried it. I've tried meditating with sports radio. It doesn't work. Even NPR with soothing tones of liberal propaganda, it doesn't work. I was distracted by other things. Those things in and of themselves were not sinful, but together, together, they were leading me to neglect the Lord. The solution was simple. Embrace the Sabbath principle. Withdraw, rest, sit at Jesus' feet. Listen, listen. The Lord was not going to shout over the noise to get my attention. 
We have the perfect example of Elijah when he's on the mountain and God comes in. There's the earthquake, there's the whirlwind, there's the fire. God doesn't speak in all that. That's where God expect, where he expected him, but he comes in a still small voice. I believe that God is speaking to us all the time. I know I just don't hear him all the time. And sometimes it's because of all the noise I've put in. The Sabbath principle says withdraw, rest, sit at Jesus' feet, listen. And he, the author says, I had to turn down the noise. Turn down the noise. Notice he didn't say I had to eliminate YouTube, reading, the radio, family time. I had to make a clean sweep of it all. I had to go have family meetings and say I'm no longer spending time with you anymore. I had to pull the radio out of my dashboard. Be extreme if you want. He said I had to turn down the noise because that's reality. Is Sometimes we just need to turn down. One day out of seven, turn it down. Like Mary, I had to choose that good part which would not be taken away from me. Perhaps the reason that so many times we struggle, perhaps the reason because nobody, everybody feels stressed, everybody feels whatever, and you can buy every management book and time management book and, and, and all of these different things that say, they don't tell you how to have a better life, they tell you how to get more done in less time. And what we really need is spiritual renewal. Martin Luther King, he had all kinds of problems in his life, but he made a quote one time that I never forgot. He said, I have so much to do today I better pray two hours instead of one. You know what? That's a mindset change. That's a mindset change. I'm praying that the Lord helps me to unplug. You know what? To turn my attention to Him, that I get my renewal, my strength, that I understand that watching all the Star Wars movies in a row might not be as good as going on a three-day prayer and fasting revival. Because what I really need is spiritual renewal in my life. Let's all stay in this morning. And I want you just to pray, Lord, check my environment. I'm not going to say single things because I'd venture to say that most of us don't have these big things in our life that we just say, well, man, I know that's a big, huge sin. There, and that may be. Get rid of it. But, Lord, just check my environment. Is my environment noisy? Is it causing you to be crowded out? Lord, search my environment. Why don't you just pray that this morning? Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, I'm thankful that you have made a way available for us. Lord, that you have created us a certain way. And Lord, we know that there is renewal and strength. If we wait upon you, we will renew our strength. And Lord, I pray that you would search us today, God. Search our environment. You see the way that our lives are lived. Lord, you see all the things that are necessary. And Lord, I, I just ask you to come in and search my heart, search my, my life, search my environment. And Lord, if there's areas that I need to turn down the noise, that I need to make space for you, God, I pray that you would open my eyes, that you would speak to me, God, because I know that what I really need above all else is you. I know that what I really need above all else is spiritual renewal in my life. That's the strength that I need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here in Sunday school this morning. We're going to be starting our main service here in just a few moments.